Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We've been in a sermon series uh, entitled Believe, where we've started in the book of John. Uh, I came back in February to, to preach from John chapter 7, a few days after Barry had his knee surgery. Filled in for him that day, I preached from John 7. Uh, what we've done so far is we've, we've gone almost through the first, the first 11 chapters. First John 1 uh, through chapter 12 are all signs. They're all signs so that we may believe in who Jesus is. John 13 through 21 is a narrative of Jesus' life. And so we're about to finish up with the signs and get more into the narrative of Jesus' life. But here's the focus of the series. And if you went to college or high school, I'm sure all of you went to high school, but those of you who went to college, your English teachers always said, if you write a paper, you need to have one sentence, one primary focal point sentence that can summarize everything that you're about to write. John did that well, right? He would get an A, I, I assure you that. John chapter 20, verse 31, it's up there on the screen behind me, but the, it's written very, the very end of John. But these things were written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. I've read that now, and then we're going to read it at the very, very end because we're going to tie something together, all right? So John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57, we're going to read that now. Last week, Barry finished up talking about Lazarus. Do you all remember that? you all remember the story of Lazarus? Lazarus is alive at this point. Verse 45, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. Verse 48. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas who was high priest at that time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better, for you, it's better for you that the one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at that time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness, to the village in Ephraim, and stayed there with his disciples. Verse 55, it was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus, but as they stood around, the, stood around in the temple, they said to each other, what do you think? He won't come for Passover, will he? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately 
so that they could arrest him. Let's pray together. Father, your word has the highest authority on the face of the earth. Higher than our Constitution, as the United States of America, higher than any tract or any charter or anything else. Your word is the only thing that has power. It has power to change us. As we read John 11, as we read John 11, we, we see more and more truths spoken in your word. Lord, some of them are hidden. Some of them are a little more obvious. But Lord, we're all here right now because there's not a single soul in this room who doesn't need more of your power. There's not a single soul in this room who doesn't need some sort of cleansing of a sin. There's not a person in this room who can't believe in Jesus any more than they do now. There's always room. There's never a cap. There's never a ceiling in which we just believe in you. That's enough and we just move on with our lives. So Father, we're here as a group of people declaring that we need to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And may the areas of our life that don't want to hear from you, may they be taken care of this morning so that our belief in you can continue, can strengthen, and so we can move forward. Lord, we're a fallen people who need you every day, every hour. We need you. And you promise in your word that your spirit's with us, that your spirit lives within us, and that your spirit works through many different things in many different ways. So we ask your spirit to come now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Jesus had crossed a line. He crossed a line. Drew the last straw. There was many signs and many things that Jesus has done so far. Um, he's turned water into wine. He has uh, fed 5,000 people, right? You remember that? Walked on a little bit of water. He's done many things. But now his friend, Lazarus, who he was very close with that we learned last week, uh, passed away. And Jesus did not immediately come to him. That will get a preacher fired very quickly, Right? Right? If you're just around town, someone that you know in your congregation passes away, and you don't immediately come to him. Instead, you just wait until after he's been wrapped in grave clothes, put in a little tomb, and then you come see him four days after he's been dead. Right? That wouldn't go over well. And quite frankly, it didn't go over well with Mary and Martha and the people in this situation uh, that, we read, that we just read about. But Jesus through his power, told Lazarus to get up, and he did. After four days, he got up. And then Mary, Martha, the people around him, Jesus told him, go, now go take off his grave clothes. And they did. And so now, Jesus has crossed the line because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all these high official people, they're trying to figure out, okay, 
Maybe there was a way to explain the whole walking on water thing. Maybe there was a way to explain the feeding the 5,000 thing. Maybe there's a way to explain some of these other things that he did. Maybe. We can maybe figure that out. But he literally, after someone had been, been, had been dead for four days, he literally brought them back to life. What do we do with a man like that? Because a man with that kind of power can turn my world upside down can really make a difference. And we don't want to do that. So Caiaphas, as we read a moment ago, said, all right, we'll just kill him. That's a great idea. Kill Jesus. Are you all awake this morning? Hello? Everybody awake? Y'all miss Barry, I know. But just bear with me for another 20 minutes and I'll get it over with, okay? I know you miss Barry, I know. If you want me to do some jumping jacks to get you woke up a little bit, I will, okay? There's some things that I want you to see. There's three truths that are found in the guide. There's three truths that I want you to see from John, the second part of John chapter 11. Here's the first one. Belief in Jesus is difficult because people are reluctant to surrender autonomy, power, and prestige. Look down at verse 48. They said, if we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Now, here's a little uh, lesson, history lesson, civics lesson for you. Uh, How many branches of government are in the United States? Raise your hand. Anybody? RJ, how many? Three. Three. Elijah, what's one of them? Executive. Executive. Judicial. Legislative. Let's go backwards. Legislative. What are they in charge of? Making laws. There are how many senators? A hundred. Who said that? Look at, man, you paid attention back in the day. Long time ago. All right. We don't have any history teachers in here, do we? No? Just science, math, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. First grade, pottery. You know, 400 and some odd, 435, 436 House of Representatives, does that sound about right? That 435? Future Mr. President right here, Samuel Blake Williams, right here on the front row. Legislative branch, they make laws, right? They make the laws in our country. The judicial branch, let me skip over that for a second. The executive branch, Elijah, you said that, right? Who's the big daddy for the executive branch? Papa Joe, right? Silly Papa Joe. They're all silly. All presidents are silly. Are are they not? They're silly. You you know how I know they're silly? Because they want to be president. Are you crazy? Why would you want to be president? I mean, come on. I wouldn't want to be president. I'm not even old enough to be president. My goodness. You have to be 35? 40? 35? I'm 33. I've only been able to drive a church van for like eight years, all right? Golly. Yeah, the executive branch, which makes sure that the laws that the legislative branch passes gets carried out, right? They're in charge of making them make sure that gets carried out. Then you have the judicial branch. Who said that? Alex, judicial branch. What does the judicial branch do? No, that's legislative. They make sure they interpret the laws, right? So who's the Mac Daddy, the Big Daddy for the judicial branch? Supreme Court, right? Oh, okay. In this situation, 
If Jesus was here on planet earth doing the things that he was doing, bringing people back up to life, he would be answering to the Supreme Court, right? Look down at verse 47. It said, Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. The high council in verse 47 is, would be better known as the judicial branch of the United States. Or it would be better known as the Supreme Court for the United States. So then the leading priests and Pharisees called together the Supreme Court. Man, when you do that in the United States, you have a problem, right? Oh no, Supreme Court voted on this. They voted on that. Whatever. They interpreted the law this way. Whatever. So now the same thing's going on. Whenever, t- anytime we read in the news that the Supreme Court is debating about something, that is not anything new because we see it right here in Scripture. Here's what's interesting. The Roman Empire was in charge of this whole Jerusalem area at this time. But here's the cool thing. At this time, the whole Jerusalem area was given the opportunity and the authority to have their own executive branch, to have their own legislative branch, and to have their own judicial branch. Now, that's not the exact way they had it set up. But what I'm saying is, uh, in light of the way the United States was set up, the, the, the whole Jerusalem area was given a lot more power than our states are given today. Does that make sense? So they were able to make their own calls. They were able to call their own shots. But if they crossed the Roman Empire in the wrong way, then the Roman Empire would come and wipe them out. That was the problem. All right? That was the problem. Because they knew that if they let Jesus, let's read verse 48 again. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. In other words, if we don't get this right, if we don't do something about this man, our autonomy as a country, our freedom, our flexibility, our opportunities, our wiggle room, our power, the the ability to oversee others, the the power to collect taxes, uh, our reputation, our prestige, if we let him go on like this, all of those things will go away. The Roman Empire will come in and they will wipe us out. And we don't want that because we want our autonomy. We worked hard to get that. We want our power. We want our prestige. We want our freedom. We want our flexibility. We don't want to lose any of those things. Therefore, this man has to stop working. We, you and I, are flesh-breathing human beings. Sometimes we come to a point in our life where we want God to quit working. I will believe in you to a point, and when it gets to the point where I have to start surrendering my autonomy, my power, and my prestige, then I'm done. No more. It's over. I'm not doing that anymore. I'll still go to church. I'll still sing about the King of Kings. I'll still listen to a sermon on belie- or sermon series on believing. But you know what? I've reached that threshold in my life where I'm not going to believe in Jesus anymore. I've, I've done enough. I'm not, I've done enough. But it's coming to a point. It's getting a little bit personal, maybe a little bit too real for me. Because I know that if I continue this walk with the Lord, if I continue believing in Him, I'm going to start losing traces of my power and my freedom, and my opportunities. And I know I'm going to do that, and I don't want that. Sadly enough, you and I relate way too much with the Pharisees here. 
And I didn't want to see that this week. And I didn't want to tell you that this week. But it's true. What will we lose when we truly believe in Christ and actually act on our convictions? Many resist Jesus because they fear what will be jeopardized. Where does the fear come from? The fear comes from pride. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up every possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. You believe that? It's true. Belief in Jesus is difficult because people are reluctant to surrender autonomy, power, and prestige. Number two, belief in Jesus is the only way physical certainty can be overcome by spiritual authority. This is an unknown prophetic word by Caiaphas. He thinks he's speaking on his own terms, but he's not. The only certain way to stop what Jesus was doing was to kill Jesus. Killing Jesus was a physical certainty. Let me give you an example. I don't like snakes. And when I use this illustration of Bethlehem, they started uh, harassing me with images of snakes and other things. And I'm sure you will too, but whatever. Tiffany put a reef on the front door a few years ago, and a bird's nest came and made its way right on that reef on the front door. Tiffany's grandmother was staying with us that night, and she thought that I had planted a snake on the front door looking in the window. No, it was real. It was a real snake. It had made its way through the creek or whatever to on our front door, and I wouldn't get anywhere around it. The only for sure way that I was going to get that snake off my front porch because I wasn't getting around it, I have a 20-foot pressure washer extension that you can use to like pressure wash real high on a home, right? I put that thing all the way out and got that snake off my front porch. I, within 20 feet was too close, but I had to do it. It's too, it's, I'm not kidding, ask Tiffany. I kid you not. We would go back and forth. She'd get the gun. I'd say, all right, when I get it over here, away from the house and away from me, shoot it. Shoot it. Once I, that 20-foot extension, you know, wears you out pretty good. And so we, uh, we kept having to take turns with it. I would chicken out. She'd chicken out. I didn't want to shoot the gun. She'd want to shoot the gun. Finally, it made its way around the house. I slung it over my head, which is a mistake. I slung it over my head all the way to the other side of the yard, and I wore that thing out. It had a Golden Corral buffet of lead from my shotgun. And I'm not talking about one, son. I lit it up. That was the only for sure physical way that nasty, slimy, sinful little varmint would not get in my house. That's the only way. How? To kill it. To kill it. Right? That's not the only time I was cutting grass one day. We have a big creek behind our house, and I made the first pass going around the creek, and uh, uh, I saw a moccasin coming out. So then I went again, I made another pass, and I saw him coming out again, but this time I saw where he stopped. I stopped where I was going, turned off the lawnmower. I called Tiffany from across the yard, and I said, bring me a gun right now. Bring me, bring me a gun. Bring me a gun. That, that one didn't get a shotgun. That one got a 9 millimeter. All right? That was the only for sure certain way that that stupid, nasty, slimy, varmint snake would stay out of my house and stay away from my family and nowhere, get nowhere near my lawnmower. You know what I mean? Can't get around my lawnmower. I killed it. 
When I heard what Caiaphas did in verse 49 and what he said, I thought about the movie Law Abiding Citizen. Raise your hand if you've ever seen that movie before. Look at the visual on the screen behind me. I keep pointing to that one. I see that one. But you recognize this scene? You see Nick, which is better known as Jamie Foxx. He's the prosecutor guy on the left. And then you have Clyde on the right. Does anybody know what happened to Clyde? Anybody remember what happened to Clyde? Somebody came in and they murdered his family, right? And the guy that murdered his family got off on a technicality something. Made him mad. So he followed the law to get justice. So that's where he's at right now. So what Clyde's Clyde's mistake is he went on continuing killing other people while he was in prison. He was sitting in a prison cell and he was killing people. How would that happen? Jamie Foxx, known as Nick in the movie, he couldn't figure it out. This dude, Clyde, is sitting in a jail cell, yet he is killing people, planting bombs, and he's starting to kill people and closer, clo- closer and closer to Nick. And so Nick, the prosecutor, I think he was a DA or something, like, something along, those long, long, along those lines at the time, he got together with the city manager or one of the elder, uh, aldermen or somebody and went to someone undercover in a tunnel and said, hey, listen, how in the world do we stop him? You've worked with him before. You've worked with him in, the, in, in an intelligent situation. Uh, of, uh, you have a history with this guy. How do you stop him? Do you know what he said? Kill him. You got to kill him. You got to kill him to stop him. Caiaphas, he's saying the same thing. He said in verse 50, Don't you realize that it's better for you, for one man, for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Verse 52 says, and not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. Jesus dying has saved many people. Him dying is currently saving people. And him dying on the cross will save many people in the future. Isaiah 49 says, he says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make a light, make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Here's the problem. We only understand life in terms of the flesh. I want, to make, I want to say that again. We only understand life in terms of the flesh. In other words, if it doesn't physically make sense, we have a hard time banking on that. If it doesn't make physical sense, we have a hard time banking on that. That nasty, stupid snake was not going to come in my house if I shot it dead, right? Jesus would stop doing what he was doing if, if we kill him. Right? That was their mindset. Here's what's cool. What we see here, what we saw at the very end of the story of Lazarus, in the beginning of what we just started reading a moment ago, is we saw an increased belief, uh, a, a, an increase in the belief of Jesus. That's what we saw. 
They saw what happened to Lazarus. They had heard about all the other signs. Now many people are starting to believe in Jesus. And here's the deal. Whenever we make that decision to follow Christ and we surrender our lives to Him and we are hands off and He has control, we have belief in Jesus and we boost that belief in Jesus, we live our lives and we start acting and living our lives based, uh, based on fleshly terms. We do that because we can't quite understand Jesus in terms of physical uh, uh, of authority or, or spiritual authority or power. We have a hard time doing that. And so we act in the flesh instead of trusting in the spiritual authority that we have in Christ. Our belief in Jesus, your belief in Jesus destroys any physical certainty that you can imagine. This is called spiritual power. Ephesians talks about it a lot. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. You and I too often fall short of God's glory. We try to think in terms of the flesh and we forget that it's through spiritual power that things change, that things get better. That we can forgive, that we can be forgiven. Because all too often in my life, personally speaking, there have been times where I don't want to do what God wants me to do because I can't physically see how it's going to be possible for those things to happen. Are you with me? And you say no. You're like, mm, you know what? I go to Real Church Coweta. That's great. I serve. I do this. I do that. Whatever. I've been a believer for a long time. But no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. I've done that. Have you? <laughs> I do it more than I care to admit. He promises spiritual power. He promises infinitely more than we can think or ask, but we can't physically see it happening. We can't physically see someone forgive us or us ask forgiveness or anything along those lines. We can't physically see it, and we're so scared about what's going to happen, we totally undermine spiritual power. Man. Number three, belief in Jesus must continue even when we feel like he has stopped ministering. Look at verses 54 through 56. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry. They were going to kill him among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and 